It's great to be back on Search the Scriptures today to be able to open up God's Word and study all those rich teachings and truths and instructions right from God's Word. Literally, His communicating to us His mind. It is literally God's Word, as the Apostle Paul put it in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The original language meaning God breathed, again, as though we're to understand it as being God's very words. Well, how blessed we are to have his mind communicated to us in this easy to access and easy to understand form of written down scripture. And how blessed we are to be able to share together with you on this radio program today. And I appreciate being here today with Dennis Stackhouse. Thank you, Gary. I'm certainly blessed to be a part of the program today again. And I'm delighted to welcome all of those who are listening to us today. And we just want to let you know how much we appreciate you, how much we appreciate the responses that we've received, Uh, some of those coming by mail, some by email. Uh, Some of you have actually come and visited us here in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. What a blessing that is for our lives, realizing that you're hearing this program and it's making an impact on your life. We really, really do appreciate that. And we thank you so much for listening to us today and pray that your lives will be blessed through the effort. And God gets the glory. God is glorified. Now, Dennis, I want us to get right into the lesson because we've got considerable way to go. But we are really looking at something important here. We're looking in Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And in verses 13 and 14, we spent some time looking at how the Israelites, many of them, were challenging God. They were Mm -hmm. asking this question, what good is it to serve God? Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't ask that directly to God, but they were saying it, apparently, mm-hmm. yes. living like it, had that attitude. And of course, God knows what we say to other people. Mm-hmm. He knows what we think. Right. And so he's chastening them for this, chastising them. What are, you, what are you speaking against me for? And their response is, well, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. What have we said against you? Yes, rather surprised that they would hear such a thing as that. Like little kids Mm -hmm. caught, you know, (laughs) with their hands in the proverbial cookie jar, you know. Me? I didn't do that. What are those crumbs on the corner of your mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, so he's, he's chastising them about this, and he tells them, here's what you've said. You've said it is useless to serve God. Yes. Now, we spent some time talking about how a lot of people, they seem to believe that themselves. Oh, yes. Or at least they seem to express it, either (laughs) overtly or maybe kind of beneath the surface. That's right. But they have some disdain for the fact that, yeah, I tried to be faithful for a while, and I, you know, it was harder for me. Mm -hmm. I had it easier when I was just not even going to church. Mm-hmm. Now, in verse 16, though, we read about how, or we began to read about how some of the Israelites, they weren't like that. Mm-hmm. They got it. Yes. They understood, oh, no, no, it pays to serve God. Right. 
And we're in this for the long haul. We're looking at the longer view, not just at the, at the immediate moment. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been studying in our last program about a book of remembrance yes. was written for him. And, and we made some comparisons to various passages in other places. And we keep reading about a book or the mm-hmm. concept of a book, at least. That's right. And in Revelation in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, and also chapter 20 and verse 12, it actually calls it a book of life. Yes, it does. And, and it indicates that there are names written in that book. Right. And those names will be the ones who will be with God in heaven for all of eternity, the eternally saved. Correct. And, you know, even Moses spoke of a book, or he, he says to God, why don't you blot me out of your book if this is what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And God says, no, 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 no. Those who sin are the ones I'll blot out. That's right. Not the righteous. Mm-hmm. David, you know, in, in Psalm 69, talked about the unrighteous being blotted out. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was uh, rather intriguing, perhaps, as we closed our program yesterday, where Jesus was kind of uh, perhaps chastening the apostles a little bit there when they came back from the limited commission and and they were excited as you said you know that the demons were subject to them and he's and he said now wait a minute you know uh be more thankful that your names are written in heaven that's right and maybe again kind of trying to get their head back down to their regular hat size there well that and i think also gary getting their mind set on the heavenly or eternal perspective. You know, it's too easy, I think, for us to get caught up in the temporal, what we have all around us. And it's easy to forget or to let that eternal perspective slip away from us. We really diligently need to work on keeping that nearest part of us and keeping that as our main focus. Yes. You know, sometimes, Dennis, we can get well, we can lose focus by getting all caught up in the blessings from God. Mm-hmm. We get all excited over the blessings. Mm-hmm. And we forget that the blessings are a product of our relationship with God. And that goes far beyond just those blessings. Mm-hmm. We're looking toward eternity. Now, mm-hmm. the blessings are you know, when I lived down in Louisiana for many years, preached down there, the blessings in a way are like what the people would say down there as being lanyap, mm-hmm. a little extra. Yes. You know, we we used to talk about the baker's dozen where when you had real bakeries you know, yes. in the neighborhoods, the baker might throw in a, a 13th donut yes. or roll or something, mm-hmm. a little extra. Right. Yeah. You know, the blessings from God that we enjoy in this life they're kind of like that. They're, they're a little bit extra. Mm-hmm. But what we're really looking forward to is being with him in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's the long view. I think that's exactly right, Gary. Uh, certainly, we should have reason to be excited about the blessings. I don't think there's anything wrong in that. Oh, no, no. But as you're pointing out, that's not the important part. The important part is keeping our eyes on that eternal perspective, on that heavenly home that God is preparing for us. 
And we've got to keep that in view because mm-hmm. sometimes we tend to lose sight of the blessings too. We can do that. Because something happens and times get hard. That's right. Okay. Now let's look at an earthly illustration here. Let's turn to the book of Esther and let's look at verses, uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Okay. That night the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. So the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. The king's servant said to him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king asked him, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested, and do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback through the city square, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. That's a great lesson for us in hatred, in anger, letting our emotions get the best of us, which was the case with Haman. I mean, he he uh, just resented Mordecai so much, mm-hmm. and he wanted him dead. Yes. And actually had taken steps to see to that happening. Mm-hmm. And yet here, because he happened to be there, maybe not by accident, perhaps providentially, you right. know, at the, at the right place at the right time, he ends up actually leading Mordecai around and honoring him before the people in a very public way. Mm-hmm. Oh, how that must have graded him. Oh, my word. I, you know, it's hard to try to put your place or yourself in Haman's place, rather. You know, uh, such pride in that man. Uh, yes. So proud in the wrong kind of way. And to have this occur as it did, I just can't imagine how it must have made him feel. Yeah, and hatred. Oh. And hatred can become an acid, you know. Oh, it just eats you up, you up inside. Yes, it does. Well, that's a great study. But, but 
the real point here is why did Haman end up honoring Mordecai in that public way? Well, it was because the king had discovered something that had been overlooked in his kingdom. You know, Mordecai had done a favor for the king, and the king discovered that it had never been repaid. And he discovered that in the Chronicles. In the books that had been written. Basically right. Been written down in the book, you know, in the uh, perhaps more of a scroll back then, but Mm -hmm. it had been written in the records. Right. And nothing had been done for Mordecai. And so because his name and that record of what he had done to help the king was recorded there, he ended up being honored. That's right. Now, that is a great illustration from a human perspective of what it means to have your name recorded in some kind of record in an honorable way. Yes. And we honor all kinds of people through history whose names are recorded in history books, mm-hmm. in historical annals, mm-hmm. because of good things they have done. Yes, that's right. But again, it's just an earthly illustration. Earthly illustration. Of the spiritual point that we're trying to make. Which is far greater. And the greater point is God has this same book of remembrance or this knowledge of the deeds that we have performed in his name. And that's what we're looking at Mm -hmm. from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. Mm -hmm. Now, let's look at this same principle in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, it doesn't mention there specifically a book, you know, and written down. But we've read this particular principle over and over again now. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we've seen the book mentioned or a book mentioned of one kind or another uh, or a book alluded to. But here simply in God's mind, he knows those who are his, who are faithful to him, who have been true to him, and he will not forget In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, what does Paul say? For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. God knows those who follow him. Absolutely right. And I think it's interesting here, Gary, that Paul, maybe in a little bit of a subtle way, is speaking about a transition he had made in his own life. Notice there in that 10th verse, he said, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So that tells me that Paul, at some point in his life, was trying to please men. Well, in fact, he talks about at one point where he basically gave up his, what, what used to be, from a human perspective, the credentials that had meant so much to him, apparently. Mm-hmm. Being a Hebrew of the Hebrews and being a Pharisee and, you know, all of these things that kind of made up his pedigree, so to speak, as a Jewish man of the right bloodline, brought up in the right way, taught very diligently the law of Moses, 
And yet he says, all those things, I've come to realize they're secondary. Yes. Knowing Christ is the most important thing. Yes, that third chapter of Philippians. What a, a beautiful picture Paul paints for us there. Yes, yes. He gave up a great deal from a human oh. perspective to become a Christian. That's right. Now, but God remembers. Yes. Okay. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 4, what does Paul say? And he's speaking about himself among others here. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing man, but God who tests our hearts. How great it must have been for Paul to have been able to write by inspiration that we have been approved by God, mm-hmm. speaking of himself and some others as well. Yes. And, but then also he makes the point, we're not here to please men, but we're here to please God. Exactly. And... Now, that last part really ought to sober us up because he says God tests our hearts. Yes. So there's that examination that we stand before God on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. In James chapter 4 and verse 10, again, what an encouraging passage we read here. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So... Sometimes we get the impression that living a humble life or having a posture of humility is a negative thing. That can happen, yes. And yet, over and over again in Scripture, we're told exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. We need to humble ourselves before God, Mm -hmm. and then God will exalt us. Boy, you know, when you think about that, Gary, who better to exalt us than God himself? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We want to stand humble before God. Mm -hmm. And then God, and the point, the principle we're we're getting here is God knows. Mm -hmm. God remembers. That's right. God does not forget. And just as we saw Mordecai honored by the king, God will honor us by bringing us to heaven with him. That's right. You know, the, the point we've been trying to make here over the last couple of lessons is the fact that God has recorded, you know, and whether it be in a literal book, whether it be in his mind, his knowledge, I don't think that matters. The fact is he has it recorded. He knows the words He knows the deeds. He knows the kindnesses. And he's not going to forget those things that we do. Yeah, and and see, that should be so encouraging to us. It really should. There are times when we do things for people Mm -hmm. and they forget. Oh, yes. We might remember the, uh, the, the butler you know, the chief butler in jail with Joseph mm-hmm. when he interpreted his dream and said, now, you're going to be restored to your position. Mm-hmm. When you are, remember me. Mm-hmm. When he was restored, I imagine he was just thrilled. Mm-hmm. But he forgot Joseph. For about two years. Yes, yes. And then when the occasion came where Pharaoh had a dream, and nobody could interpret it. Then the butler remembered. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens. Yes. A lot of times because 
human beings are fallible. And you but know, God does not forget. That's right, Gary. And it can be even so simple as something where we do someone a kindness and maybe they don't even say thank you. Yes, yes. And that might grate on us. And, and that's where I think we need so much to have this kind of encouragement and realize God saw that happen. He's not going to forget it. Yes. From the other perspective, how many times does God do us a kindness and we don't thank him? There you go. Exactly right. You remember the uh, the uh, 10 lepers. Mm-hmm. One turned back and thanked the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he said, where are the nine? Yes. Well, how many times do we end up with the nine? Yes. Dennis, before we have to stop today, let's go back to Malachi chapter 3. And now let's read verse 17. And we'll try to finish this text next time. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Ah, I'm going to remember. They shall be mine. They're written down in this book of remembrance. And I shall make them my jewels or my treasure. Mm -hmm. Somewhat similar to what Peter said in that the church or Christians are God's own special people. That's right. And that's basically what we're looking at here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to remember and I'm going to bless them in a very special way. It pays to serve God if we would rather be a treasure than have a treasure. Yes, a treasure in this earth. Right. Yes. Now, again, we want to remind our listeners, you can study from God's Word. We'll send you the Bible study for free. We'll pay the postage both ways. If you would like to know how that you can be sure that your name is written in that book of life and how you can look forward to be in God's treasure in heaven.